0: Welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Saving Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one of your hosts this week, and I am so excited to be back podcasting you. It's been a couple weeks, so lots have been going on. Let's get right into it. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up,
1: Chris? What's up, people around the internet? Dude, I am ready. I'm ready to be done with, uh, you know, Chris, we were just talking. I'm ready to be done spending vacation and traveling. It's you know it's it's kind of weird. Maybe it's the pandemic being locked in my house. It's so good to be back in my cell. I mean my house. <laughs> <laughs> I missed this place so much. It was like it was like Brooks was here. I just carved that on my uh, ceiling. <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: oh no. Can I
1: come back in. Brooks, you gotta go. You can't stay <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> oh man, what a reference. Oh, A plus, A plus. That's <laughs>
1: what so feels good. The kid's gonna go feels back to safe. School. I feel Hopefully safe again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> oh feels my gosh, safe. unbelievable! Well, you know, it it really has been. I mean, my God, like you, you never thought you'd say this, but like traveling was exhausting. I did it too. I went to an entire, I went to an entirely different state, which, by the way, might have been like the most dangerous state in the country to visit during all of this. And uh, also, you know, I went, I went to Florida. I went to Orlando, and like literally the week after I got back they announced that they are, there's like a water problem now in Orlando. So they're like limiting water usage. I'm like, good Lord. Like I picked, Jesus, I man. picked the perfect time to go to Florida and then get the heck out of that state uh, as quickly as possible. But I'll, I'll be definitely talking about that during this podcast. But then um, yeah. I didn't realize about the to, water,
1: water. Oh my, oh my
0: God. Like they're, they're resorting to bringing in like, um, I don't know what the proper, I don't want to say dry ice, but they're, they're bringing in like chemicals to treat the water to, improve it because apparently there's a there's a water issue now where uh it's either a shortage or uh tainted or something along those lines uh but i saw that i saw it in the news and i was just like it (laughs) literally it literally came out like two days after we got back so i was like thank god just thank god i got out of there when i could because it things are getting Uh real crazy things are getting crazy down there yeah
1: you know what i'll uh all those people can make fun of us during the winter when we have like eight feet of snow up here but I'll, i'll take it I'll take right, it.
0: right, exactly. Right. Uh, well, folks, if this is the first time to listen to this podcast, what Ben and I like to do, because we are carnivores of all things entertainment, is basically bring to this podcast, you know, a multitude of different stories, uh, news items, everything, all that fun stuff that we've been consuming for the past couple of weeks, bringing it here to talk about it. Except I have no idea what Ben has in, in store for me, and he's got no idea what's on my mind. So this way, everything you're hearing is genuine, spontaneous. Nothing's preplanned. So, uh, Ben. Let's get into it, my friend. What do you have for us this week?
1: All right, Chris. Um, I can go to a a, a number of different things, but let's let's start on a positive note, Chris. Please, okay? please, um, yes. It's It take me a little bit to. I I, you know, I like having these little breaks in between the pods because I get to kind of formulate ideas, um, about what I'm gonna say. So it's not just to, mm-hmm. totally off the cuff. You know what I mean?
0: Right. right. Um, mm-hmm.
1: so I want to talk about the show Ted Lasso. So. Yes. Ted Lasso, as, as, of course, we talked about, is 22 Emmy nomination, 23, something crazy? Um Yeah, it is ridiculous, but rightfully so, great show. Um, and uh, season two, I, I think we're on episode four or five or something like that, and just as good, if not better, uh, you know, they're avoiding a lot of pitfalls that season twos have fallen into, and I'm enjoying every single second of it. But the reason why I wanted to talk about the show, not the specifics, not to spoiler or anything, because it's not really that kind of show anyway. It's kind of just a fun show to watch. So, Chris, talking about the state of television. So, you know how we always talk about the golden age of television, how it was Mad Men, Breaking Bad, uh, Sopranos, that kind of era
0: mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. TV
1: shows. I feel like that everyone... Decided because those shows are pretty serious dramas. Everyone kind of took the like that formula. Was like, all right. Well, I think in order to replicate the golden age of television, we have to have these serious, intense, brooding dramas. We have to have The Handmaid's Tale. We got to have this like hardcore thing, like or The Walking Dead, where any member of the cast can die at any second kind of thing. Where that's really not what made those shows great. You know. A lot of shows, a lot of those shows had intense moments, but Mad Men, for example, had funny moments, had very, like, moments of, like, boredom, had moments of just, I don't know, levity that were just, like, in mundaneness of the workplace. And I feel like Ted Lasso is the ultimate whiplash of shows being too intense. This show is so positive, it should make me sick, but I love every single (laughs) second of it. Chris, Definitely. what are your thoughts on Ted Lasso?
0: Well, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I was a latecomer to this mm-hmm. series. Same here. Like, I, I'm not a soccer fan. So I, I thought it was, like, really just about soccer. And I, I had no interest. And it was, it was a good friend of mine who uh, said, like, know, you really need to watch this. Like, especially right now. Like, when everything's shit, you need to watch this show. Uh, it'll make you – he said his exact words were, it'll make you feel better. And I was like, I was like, what are you talking about? So I got into it first two episodes. I was like, all right, this is pretty good. Like, you know, fish out of water, like stranger in a strange land type of setup. I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then episode three hits where he gets like, um, you know, that that news reporter follows him for the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like at that episode, I was like, all right, now you got me. Now you got Mm -hmm. me because Mm -hmm. I realized the genius of episode three was the fact that we are we as the viewer are that reporter we are doubtful about Ted Lasso we doubt what his intentions are and then we start to see how his tools as a coach are starting to work and you're like holy shit this this is actually something here and since then it's been just complete fan satisfaction for going forward and this season i've been delightfully uh, satisfied for because what i love about this season is like i i i wasn't sure where they were going with it like what's the arc what's the great arc for this right. season and yet at the end of each episode, I am completely satisfied and hopeful for where, whatever direction that they want to go in. I'm like, let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. Um, interesting. And I want, to, I want to throw this question to you real quick. So uh, a friend of mine uh, who writes for another website in, here in New York made the point that when you watch season one, binging it, mm-hmm it works so well because it just, if the pacing is there, blah, blah. It just Mm. really works well back to back to back to back. Obviously that's not how Apple TV releases their shows. They do it week by week. And his point was Ted Lasso's second season is excellent, but that, that week to week launch of, of episodes really does impact its pacing as a season. Mm. And I haven't, I, I kind of took that and I was like, I I really need to kind of maybe dig in and watch it again. But I do see that as a point because when you watch season one all together at once, it, it I don't know, it just moves so well, it ties it up as a bow and even going back and watching the last three episodes of Ted Lasso or last four episodes of Ted Lasso uh, all together, you, I can see what maybe what he's talking about where it's like a show like this, maybe it's because we just want that good feeling to continue. And, you know, it's like, no, the episode's over. Uh, but yeah, what do, you, what do you think about something like that? Where a show might be better as a, as a bingeable show back to back to back rather than a weekly release.
1: Well, I, I think that's where we're at, right, is is when they make these TV shows, they have to make that, make them with that in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we're all getting together and watching Dallas and then, you know, uh, sitting around the water cooler talking about it. Like, those shows are long gone. Like, the shows like that don't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's more about someone could binge this on a weekend and then go in and talk about the whole season. And, you know, here we are talking on the podcast about last season and halfway through this season – and we're talking about the overall arc of a show. And a show like this, even though it's... <clears throat> I think we've gotten away from the kind of sitcoms that don't have an arc. Even the goofiest, funniest shows need to have character development with an arc, which is a good thing. I think that's what Ted Lasso... I think that's what they saw, at least the Emmys saw that in the show. It Yes, it's funny. Yes, it's a comedy. There's really funny moments, but... Then you start caring about the characters, the acting's great, the writing's great. There are a lot of things going on that make you come back for more. And and like you said, Chris, the the to- the, the tellings of a good character and a good story are you believe that it had it breathed, it lived and breathed before and afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I love how this show starts with Ted having marital problems and leaving his family back there. So you're like, oh, that's weird. And he's already been a coach. And I think that episode three, when the reporters interview him, you're onto that, Chris, is episode one was funny. And I'm like, how are they going to stretch this premise into a full show? Mm-hmm. Like, I get the premise. We've seen it before. Like, oh, he doesn't know soccer. like, And I'm like, that's funny for like 23 minutes. But I don't know about a whole season. And when that happened... Maybe in a bigger way. You know how like you said that the reporter is skeptical of Ted Lasso and we're skeptical of the show. How about we're skeptical of being able to laugh again? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think this show just hit at the perfect moment where all of us are trapped in our houses. All of us are divided politically and going the whole country's on fire. And this show was just the cotton candy that we needed (laughs) you know what i mean but it's Mm -hmm. it's quality cotton candy it's not like uh you know some like crazy toothless dude on the side of the road is selling cotton candy it's like (laughs) premium like willy wonka candy you know what i mean like it's it's made in the factory so i don't know chris i i am still delightfully surprised and pleasantly surprised at the show i hope they keep it up i hope they avoid all the pitfalls um you know, just like another show, Barry, that we've been talking about on the show, that mm-hmm. show has just avoided pitfalls with a premise that we've kind of seen before. Like you're like, oh, okay, I've kind of, you know, the hitman, you know, he's out, of, fish out of water, kind of gross, point blank. Thing, and and they've kind of avoided pitfalls and made it its own thing too. So I hope yeah. they just keep that going. And Chris, I just had to mention this show. It's great. i They've had tons of interviews on YouTube, and so the YouTube con content with Jason Sudeikis and the rest of the cast is wonderful. I love learning about all the act the british actors that they have in the show and how they're not um i think uh what's the what's the character's name um Roy Kent Roy Kent yes yeah um, that guy's just like a brooding like dick, but in real life, he's like a writer. He's really – you know he's acted in a couple of things, but they just thought he was just a perfect fit, and he seems like the funniest dude in real life anyway, and it's just great acting. So it's just cool. Like when you see that, you're like, oh, this guy's just actually acting. He's not <laughs> like that in real life. So it's fun watching these guys interact, and it just seems like they're having a blast making it. Um, it sounded like they were bummed when they couldn't make any more, and they're just happy to be back, so – Kudos to Ted Lasso I, I just think that this is the show we need and it's not and for me you know quality TV doesn't have this have to be this intense shock-a-rama kind of TV right that I'm like, oh my god, can you believe they killed off Rick Grimes? oh my god like and like because that to me I think we're getting beyond that because it's that's spoiler TV like in mm-hmm. spoiler culture wh- either one of us could get on this podcast right now. And just spoil all the TV. Because you and me watch a ton of TV. We could just spoil every series known to man. Well, don't watch that one because this guy dies. Don't watch that one. But maybe we need shows like Ted Lasso where we can binge the whole thing. Because what are you going to spoil with Ted Lasso? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Like
1: um, Ted Lasso is really funny. Well, yeah, I know. That's why I'm watching it. So I I think maybe that's why this show works.
0: Love it, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's get into something else that we equally both love. And that is uh, All Things Marvel. All and right. literally today, uh, we we're recording this on August 24th, as mm-hmm. a, a surprise or not, who knows, uh, this morning I woke up to the brand new trailer for the Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. Uh, ben, have you seen this trailer yet?
1: Of course I did,
0: Chris. Of course. I mean, come on now. Like, should I even ask? Should I no. even ask? No. Um, ben, this, this trailer is insane. It's insane. Um... You know, it's, it's one of those mo- it, things where it's like, again, like uh, in this era of good feeling, like just wanting like to cheer for something, wanting to get behind. So he wanted to just get excited for freaking movies again. Um, this is it for me. And if you haven't seen the trailer yet, folks, I mean, get on this. If you're a fan of, of Spider-Man films, and I'm talking like all the way back to the first one with Sam Raimi and Tony McGuire, like this hits home for you in every single way possible and the possibilities um are endless in terms of where, where we could be going with this i mean who knows what the heck is going on in this movie but i i'm just like of the mindset of like just just lie back and marvel do whatever you want because i'm yep. I, I got, i'm all in and ben i don't know if you remember i mean you i mean this was a when the first spider-man came out you know we were in college together i think we mm-hmm. saw that movie four times I think
1: uh, like, yeah. Remember going we to the drive-in a couple times. What is the drive-in? Um, and right, we saw Lord of the Rings once there too, right? That's true. That's true. I think we I... saw Spider-Man Two. No, I think we saw Spider-Man Two and Fellowship of the Ring at, at the drive-in, and then you and I met in Middletown to watch Middletown. Fellowship yes. of the Ring again too. Or was it exactly. Two Towers? I forget I which one it was. One of
0: the two, but I, I, I do remember yeah. there was a a, a couple in the first row of the movie theater that were just violently making out with each other during Lord of the Rings. And it was a really, (laughs) it was a really awkward, I don't know if you remember this, but it was like very awkward, like, Oh God, like they're really hammering the guy. The
1: guy was definitely going to Helm's deep.
0: (laughs) I think after the movie, that was low hanging fruit. I was like, (laughs) sorry. I think after the movie you said to me, like, you wanted to like yell at them, like, give her some air. Something like that. It was, it was very (laughs) awkward. But anyway, um, but yeah, no, I love, I love all things Spider-Man and this trailer just, it just looks crazy. Um, so many different places we can go with this, but again, it's just, it's fun to be excited about it. Ben, what were your thoughts?
1: Oh my God. All right. My thoughts on just the trailer or
0: I mean, all of it, all of it. <laughs> oh, all yeah. Right.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you're familiar with, um, enter the spider verse of course, right, Chris? Yep. Yep. Um, and this movie has a little touch of that. It's got a little touch of what we just witnessed with Loki and Wanda vision. It's got a little bit of, you know, continuing the story of the previous Tom Holland, Spider-Man. It's got a little Sam Raimi, Spider-Man in it. And knowing that he's going to direct. I thought we were going to get this in Dr. Strange 2, the Alfred Molina and all that stuff. And the Willem Dafoe and, Apparently we're getting it in this. So God only knows. I mean, this movie, they spoiled quite a bit in the trailer. And God only knows that could be the first 10 minutes of this movie. I don't I don't know. I, or it could be the end of the movie. And right. we have to wait for Dr. Strange. I have no idea. Like, it's the most complicated trailer I've ever seen in my life. And we've built up, after 24 movies, we've built up enough where, like you said, Chris, take my money. You know, Marvel, you're in control here's my ticket for the roller coaster it's like when you go on a roller coaster and you can't really see it like you're in the tunnel like the hulk roller coaster or the aerosmith roller coaster at mgm like you don't really know it's going on. or space mountain for that example like you're just like i see it turn like where do i go after that it's kind of like that it's like you know what i don't care i'm gonna have a blast on this roller coaster ride here's my money here's my ticket let's do this and all right chris all right first of all there is something about Tom Holland as Spider-Man that just makes me tear up, dude. And I don't know if it's from the fallout of Endgame
0: mm-hmm. or
1: Infinity War. And I, I just feel so sympathetic for... He just captures the teen angst of Spider-Man so well. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. It's a perfect cast. He's great. I, I, even though Tom Holland's 20-something right now, but it's such a perfect cast. He's great at it. I don't know, dude. I, I just feel like... I love how you get a sense that Kevin Feige and the masters that be at Marvel take care of the actors, take care of the script so well. I just saw an interview with Ethan Hawke, of all people, who is, you know, the independent darling of, you know, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And he said that he's doing Moon Knight right now. And he said that I'm having so much fun doing this movie. I never thought I would, you know, because he's anti mainstream movie pretty much. Right. And he said the cinematography, the production value, the sets, the costumes, the script, all these people working together. He's like, this is the most immersive filmmaking I've ever been a part of. And he's like, I've directed, I've written, I've I've produced, I've starred in and done all these things. And he said, this is the most fun I've ever had making movies. And you get a sense that that's why Benedict Cumberbatch signs on for any – where do you need me? You know what I mean? Uh, just point me to my mark. I'm in. And right. you just got a sense that he's all in. I don't know what is going on in this trailer. Tra- uh, Chris, what were some shocking moments in the trailer that you were just like, your brain couldn't handle?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I mean, right, right off the bat, just like the whole, like, him wanting to have a spell cast that would erase everybody's memory of him. It makes and just sense. like it makes Just sense. living in that world where everybody knows that you're Spider-Man, it's like, oh my God, like, you know, we've never, we've never really seen that type of, you know, duplicity i guess you could say or that life kind of scene in a movie where it's like except be an iron man but even though it's like when he says like i am iron man it's still kind of removed from that where it's like okay but the world hates you like instead of celebrating you. so it's right like
1: well and then also tony stark is already a playboy billionaire he already lives kind of like a recluse life where right. no one can go see him because he's surrounded by security guards it's like you hefner saying that he's iron man it's like are right, you well Sounds good. We can't go to the Playboy Mansion in a whim anyway. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know what I mean? It was already – but though the fact that they show him going back to high school and everyone's filming him walking the halls is just – that. I think that's what choked me up. And just yeah. – I don't know. Just him having to deal with this weight on his shoulder was just – it's perfect wow. and it makes sense. Even the plot that we just see in the trailer, yeah, the spell that he's ca- – it, it makes sense. That's why I think I'm all in is because – yes, Peter Parker would want to go back to the way it was. He just mm-hmm. wants to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and help people's, the old ladies getting their, their purses stolen and stuff. He doesn't want to be this all-encompassing God person, you know?
0: Right, right. And, of course, like I just love the potential return of, of the villains that we love sure. from this. I mean, if you want to talk about through, I mean, it, it's definitely polarizing because obviously there have been some movies that with better villains than others. But I mean, if you want to talk about movies that had potentially like the best villains we've ever seen in any comic movie be- period, I mean, I'll put up Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin any day of the week. I'll put up Alfred Molina as Doc Ock any day of the week. Um, <laughs> so just the fact that those two could be coming back and we saw the pumpkin bomb in the trailer. so like, And we heard yep. the laugh, so I'm, I'm pretty much... Betting on a, a Green Goblin return. Um, it's just, it's awesome. And I'm hoping, like, I'm here's what I'm fi- this is where I'm crossing my fingers. And the trailer kind of alluded to the fact that, like, it looks like Doc Ock and Green Goblin are appearing in the same scene. And so mm-hmm. my concern is that they're only coming back for like a quick cameo and don't actually have a substantial part in this movie. So I'm hoping that have a substantial part in this movie and that we're getting kind of a sinister six type of thing rather than just a a quick cameo here 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 during this sequence and then it's over like i don't want to be teased like that so um it but it's just like the possibilities are endless so i'm just i'm loving that all these people are being brought back in the fold now that Raimi's directing the next doctor strange movie like that's going to be just insane and i could well that's
1: yeah yeah, that's just, I mean, that's yeah. the saving grace. Even if it is just a cameo, we know that they might even if that, that movie ends with that scene, we know that Multiverse of Madness is coming up and we know the end of Loki now. That the wow. the um the time variant, you know, police are gone and they're just letting everything run wild. It makes sense that all these things would just start coming into this multiverse. It's just mm-hmm. perfect. It's perfect, Chris. It's just... It, it should be the ultimate culmination of all TV movies and everything and how they're building us up. It's great. And it's more psychological than just, like, fighting stuff. Like, I mean, how are we going to stop this? I don't... <laughs> I don't know. Right. And, you know, it's just like what Phase 4, what we were talking about, we were speculating, like, not every movie can end with a laser fight on the roof. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have to elevate these movies to something else where something crazy is going to have to happen. And I don't know, Chris, I'm, I'm super excited. The whole thing made sense, but in a fun way, I'm all in dude. Love it,
0: man. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. What else you got, my friends? All right, Chris,
1: let's, let's switch it up. Let's What's switch on? it up a little. We're going to segue to another comic universe, the DCU. Oh, okay. Um, Chris, did you have a chance to watch suicide squad? Not the suicide I squad. Did.
0: I did. It was great.
1: Okay. All right. So, so let's, let's switch gears. All right. Let me clear my head. Okay. Please. So what were we doing? We were, we, we, we caught a night where we weren't traveling this summer. Like the first time ever. I think we were back from our wedding week, which was two weeks ago. We just been traveling everywhere. I mean, listen, I'm complaining about having fun, but my God, it's good to be home. Um. So we, I was like, nothing else was on there. I was like, all right, let me put this on. Let me see what's going on. And, you know, and and people who've listened to the pod, I'm not the biggest DC person out there. But I know James Gunn was involved. So I was like, oh, let's see what he does with this thing. And I'm not really a big fan of the Suicide Squad. I didn't watch Birds of Prey. Yeah, I'm just putting that out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Chris, I would love to hear your thoughts because I got some thoughts about this movie. We need to talk about this movie.
0: <laughs> um, You know what? I, I really liked it i really liked it and what i liked about it was it was it was pure james gunn like if, mm-hmm. you, if you're familiar with the man's work she celebrate his entire catalog uh like i do um it is it, it was like this is this is pure james gunn and not that guardians of the galaxy wasn't because you definitely it had a lot of his style but this was like rated r james gunn which i really you know nobody there's there's Directors out there who know how to do a rated R movie and then there's directors that really know how to do a rated R movie, he really knows how to do it. And from yep. a language to a humor, to violence, uh, to gore, it was just, it was awesome. And I loved and I, you know, spoiler alert, I loved the kind of almost misdirect of all these cast members in the movie. Because like <laughs> yeah. for, months, for months, I'm like, oh my god, like Nathan Fillion and Pete Davidson. I was like, how are they going to do all this with all these people, and yeah. then in the first five all these minutes, these characters, right? They, they solve it for you in the first five minutes, and I was like, <laughs> brilliant, freaking brilliant. And again, like you can see very clearly when you're watching, you know, this movie, of, like the joy that these people have playing these roles with this director, with this material. Like you know, J- Jill Kinnaman and, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank, uh, Harley Quinn's uh, actress name. Yep. Why am I, why can't oh, I,
1: mean, uh, Margo, Margo,
0: Margo Rami. Rami, thank you. Oh my gosh. That was crazy. Um, Like you can see almost like a breath of relief that they're working with yeah. like quality in this, in this case. Yes. So like I, I was just, it was joyous. It was awesome. I'm really interested to see what this Peacemaker TV show is going to be about, like that they're developing. Like I love the character. I was like, Oh, yeah, this is John Cena. Um, amazing. Yeah. And like, I, I was, I, I found myself dying laughing during multiple sequences of this movie. Like the scene where they're, they're killing off the Freedom Fighters.
1: Oh, my like God.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm in stitches. I was crying, laughing so hard. Um, so, yeah, just it, it's James Gunn it's its finest, and I, I, I just love it. What do you think?
1: Chris, I'm, I'm all on board. And uh, here's what happened. We were out with a couple friends, and I wanted to talk about this movie because I wanted to hear feedback before we went on air. And I met with our friends, and they were like, oh, I heard that movie was terrible. I go, really? Who told you that? And uh, they were like, oh, our friend saw it. And they said it was terrible. Don't even watch it. And I was like, I could see. And now I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, interesting. You know what I mean? And I was like, and I lied. They were like, did you see? I was like, no. Even though I did. Uh, <laughs> so um, I can see where if you go in expecting Iron Man 2, you're going to think this is the worst movie of all time. Right. If you go in thinking this is a straight narrative superhero movie – Uh, And you're going in thinking it's like Suicide Squad 2, like the sequel to the Will Smith movie. Uh, You're going to be highly disappointed because this movie subverts expectations in every single way. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It is nuts. I love that. I think whoever's in charge of the DCU, I don't don't know if there's a Kevin Feige kind of figure. I don't think there is. But I love how they must have sensed that things weren't going as well. Definitely not as well as MCU. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They kind of gave Zack Snyder the keys, who I think still is producing this, right, Chris?
0: Uh, yeah, he's definitely Producer, maybe? Yep. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So he's still involved. But well, they get a sense that the dark, brooding kind of Spider-Man, Superman stuff isn't working. I mean, it looks cool when it's on the screen, but... Where is it really going to lead? It's not going to lead us anywhere. It's just, You know, you can't go any darker when you go, like, the darkest. It's like, it's like oh, this next movie is going to be really dark. It's going to be darker than the Joker. It's going to be darker than this. Like, man, do I really want to watch that over and over again? No. Like, I want to watch Iron Man 3 again. A little dark, a little crazy, but still funny, funny scenes. You know what I mean? It's like right. every movie doesn't have to be, like, the deer hunter of comic book movies. You know you know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. my God. And so going in, I just love how they gave James Gunn the keys to the kingdom and said, do what you want to do. And Chris, you're right on. Chris, were you in Shakespeare's Apprentices when I showed Tromeo and Juliet?
0: <laughs> no, I wasn't. I really wish I was, though.
1: So, yeah. So we had these people in Shakespeare's Apprentices that were theater- classically theatrically trained and they ran and I was like, you know what? I didn't do that. Shakespeare's apprentice. Let me do that. My senior. So I I went in there and there's a lot of people in there that were just tons of fun. And I don't think they realized who they had in there because I was like, you know, I got to show you guys a movie called Tromeo and Juliet, (laughs) which uh, is a trauma movie directed by James Gunn. It's his first movie. It's the most gory, offensive, terrible movie of all time. And I love every frame of it. There's all these Shakespeare references in it, not just Romeo and Juliet. It's great. And not only did this movie have Lloyd Kaufman in it, like Guardians 1, but this movie was the biggest budgeted trauma movie of all time. This mm. movie was ridiculous. Like, it had everything that a trauma movie would have. It had, like, heads getting caved in. head had sharks men ripping people apart had guys getting shot in the chest with their dick hanging out and stuff like just outrageous stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) it was probably Chris. And you know how I've been like talking about the shutter app, right? Mm -hmm. I've been talking, this is probably one of the goriest movies I've seen this year, (laughs) maybe a couple years. I I can't even tell you what's on shutter. That's gorier than this movie. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. where you just see everything when the shark guy just rips that dude in half. I'm like, Jesus, like there is multiple parts. I turn right the key. I'm like, what are we watching? I can't believe we're watching this. Like it's like what is going on? Like the scene where they just go through and they just kill all the guys, you know, Peacemaker and Eldris Alba. They're just Ch-ch-ch-ch. that scene was so funny, and they're just outdoing each other's kills. It was great. Chris, I thought this movie, my review has to be it's not for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm.
1: you truly like, I feel like this is—I've never read a Suicide Squad comic, but I feel like this is closer to the comics than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think?
0: Um, I definitely think so too. I, I think that it's—it's it's one of those things where it's like, you—I mean, this is why I think was lacking with the first movie that came out, which I, I painfully watched, was that like, yeah, it—it yeah. it, it, it was like a director trying to do his own spin on this on these characters and things like that, and then trying to fit it within this, like, at the time, dark brooding, like, DC universe, whereas James Gunn really explored the origins of each and every single one of the characters that were in this thing. So it's like like the Polka-Dot Man thing. There's no way that the Polka-Dot Man should have been as nuanced as, it was, as he was, but that was just a clear-cut example of, like, James Gunn doing the due diligence with all these characters and nailing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love the polka dot. <laughs> the polka dot man was so messed up. <laughs> How he just kept seeing his mom. <laughs> yep. It was, uh, it was <laughs> definitely not for kids. This movie is not for kids. This movie is not... I don't know if I was ready to see some scenes in this movie. It was outrageous. But it was that sick and twisted humor that we love from James Gunn. It's the stuff that inside a PG-13 movie like Guardians 1, there's little kind of references here and there you're like okay which is like warner brothers you know what i mean like warner brothers used to be like we're gonna make some crazy references to some adult stuff that little kids won't get but the adults will get and mm-hmm. it created that fine line this one was just all adult this one was the most adult most gory most graphic movie i've seen in years and kudos for the people putting up this movie for just letting them go fuck it let's just let them go nuts yeah. I just thought this was the most creative control I've seen in a big budget movie ever, like where I can't imagine there was any notes. Like, <laughs> what were the notes? Like, I I think we need two less penises in the scene. Like, I don't know what. There was like so many crazy scenes in this movie. I don't, like, I'm still processing this movie. It was nuts, and and I loved how this movie. Like, not even like all that gore and all the 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 crazy nudity. I, I'm talking about even just the frame of the movie, like the, the storyline of the movie and the way it's framed, it's not like beginning, middle end. It was almost like, it was almost like Pulp Fiction in scope.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, Like the
1: Harlequin falling for the dictator, which derailed, you know, like that, that whole section, which derailed the movie for 25 minutes. And it's like a love story. She gets swept off her feet and then she just blows the dude away. Like it was almost like the Bonnie situation in Pulp Fiction, like where you're just like, why are we? Why are we talking about this gourmet coffee? I know my shit is gourmet, uh, like it's just so random. Like it's like, shouldn't we be getting this soul or whatever it is back to Marcellus, or is right. John Travolta dead, or so? what's going on with this movie? And instead, it's this like twenty-five minute rando scene of just levity and stuff. And it reminded me more of Quentin Tarantino than any uh marvel movie or any comic book movies thus far and and i don't think and i say this not in like we're we're copying quentin tarantino i say this in a way of i i don't know just being like irreverent in so many places it was almost like seinfeld in some places where you're just like really we're gonna go on this 25 minute break from the action where i could see you know so my buddy's friends where they're like that was the worst movie of all time it's like yeah, if you've never seen a movie, you know what I mean? If you're not, like, well-versed in movies, you won't understand what's going on. Like, that whole Harley Quinn dictator thing, I'm laughing the whole time because I know she's a sociopath. You know she – like, if you know Harley Quinn, she's a sociopath. Like, she – in order to hang out with the Joker and not get killed by the Joker, you have to be as crazy as him. Like, it's super nuts. Like, hey, baby, I love you, but can you jump off this cliff? Okay, and just jump off a cliff. Like, pew, like, <laughs> like she, she's that nuts. Yeah. And so – I mean, when the guy's sweeping her off her feet, you know she's going to blow him away. That's why (laughs) I can't wait to rewatch this movie because that whole sequence is going to be hilarious. Because, you know, she's just like, sorry, babe, had to kill you. Like, (laughs) she's so crazy. I thought, Chris, you're right about this cast. Like, they finally nailed the the characters. And also one thing, the the movie's called Suicide Squad. And in the first one, I didn't get a sense. I wasn't scared of any of the characters dying. I don't know about Mm -hmm. you. You knew they were mm-hmm. gonna make it. You know Will Smith wasn't gonna die. You knew like Harley right. Quinn was gonna. In this mm-hmm. movie, you had no freaking idea who was gonna live. I no. thought they were all gonna die.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Love it, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, let's get into some other things. So I'm gonna flip it around uh, a little bit differently, but I'm gonna talk about my vacation in a way. Uh, because yeah, uh, I went to I went to Disney World, and this was a trip that. Uh, My gosh, we've been planning for the past three years. Uh, We initially were supposed to go uh, over New Year's going into 2020. um, And then uh, my wife got diagnosed with cancer. So that kind of derailed everything. And then like COVID happened. And then like, it's like, oh my God, are we ever going to see a theme park again? But we decided to finally say, look, my wife and I are vaccinated. Um, You know, Disney has some pretty clear cut you know, mask mandates and things like that. Let's just, let's just do it. And we did it, had a great time. Um, but a couple of notes that I want to talk about from my trip that, that came up that I think are worthy of this podcast. Uh, first of all, yeah. folks, if you're a fan of theme parks, um, you need to make an appointment. If you're a fan of Disney or theme parks or just themed entertainment in general, you need to make an appointment to go to Disney World in the next five years, period. Um, mm. And The reason I say that is because they have already just launched or are about to launch some of the most insane rides and experiences that we've ever seen. Um, and uh, we went on the ride called Star Wars: Rise of Resistance, which is their new ride um, at Disney at, mm-hmm. in, in the Star Wars you know world. And uh, it is, if you're if you're a fan of like interactive immersive theater, you're going to love Rise of the Resistance because you're not interacting with um employees at the park you're interacting with actors that are acting on a ride with you so it's like it's like you you and i don't want to spoil too much but like you're you're kind of this kidnapped member of the resistance taken onto like a star destroyer and you're trying to basically escape the star destroyer but along the way you're encountering like you know um imperial guards and things like and they're talking to you they're like tell us where the base is. You're cool. like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, it's so like for someone like me as an actor, like I'm going along with it. And I'm like, I decided to like, cause, <laughs> cause my son is like, really like, he's like, you know, you're not, he, my son got into it. Cause he was like, you know, this one cast member kind of got in his face. and was like, you know tell us where the base is. And my son's like, you'll never destroy me and stuff like that. And I was like, I was, so freaking, I was so freaking proud. I was like, Oh my God, he's giving it right to this guy. And then like, they got it to my face and I tried to play like the, I played it off as I was like, you know, the guy that might crack. I'd be like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I was like, I was like, I don't know what's what's in it for me, man. What's in it for me? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's again, if, if you're someone that loves those types of things, and Ben, I know that you are, uh, you will love that ride because yeah. it's just you can just interact with these people, which is awesome. And um, while we were there, we also got to see what they're building and Epcot, which I'll be honest, like in its current state, is kind of lame. It's a, it's like kind of a half day park there's just some educational stuff there's the world showcase and that's really about it um but they're building a boatload of stuff um there in fact they're building a brand new gardens of the galaxy roller coaster there which nobody really knows anything about but like it's only being described as like the future of roller coasters if that makes sense i haven't mm. I, who knows what that means but um the like bil- we walked in as we're walking into the park the building that they're built, the 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 structure that they're building for this ride, no joke, it's almost yeah. as big as that gigantic golf ball looking thing at Epcot, like and that's gonna house a ride for Guardians of the Galaxy. So I have I can only imagine what that's gonna be. So and there's also some new rides that are opening up at uh, Hollywood Studios and then Epcot. They're building in like a, a, a ride based on Ratatouille. So again, if you love theme parks. Um, make a point to go to Disney in the next five years because things there are just growing and growing fast, which is which is awesome. Um, the second thing I want to mention real quick before I throw it to you, uh, Ben, is um, my New Year's resolution this year was kind of an a, a interesting one, where I definitely uh, set out the goal to try to be. This is going to sound weird, but I tried to be the best like blank that a person encounters that day. So. Here's, here's mm-hmm. what I mean. So I got, my goal was to try to be, if I'm getting a, a coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, I want to be the best customer that that person, that cashier experiences all day. How can I do that? Well, I can do that through being very nice. I can do it through other things. Yeah. Um, same thing with Uber rides. I want to be the best Uber customer I can for that one person per day because it makes me feel good, makes them feel good, all that stuff. Um, so one way I've been doing that, Ben, is I've been starting to tip better. Um, so typically, oh, the rest, yeah. yeah, so this is, this is, and this I found interesting was like, typically, like, I'll always leave between 18 and 20% for a server, like if, especially if, you know, if they're good, if they are you know, whatever, as long as they don't suck and they're terrible, like they're always going to get 18 to 20% for you. But this year, i said, you know what, I'm going to up an ante. So I said to myself, whatever tip I'm, I'm planning on giving this person, I'm going to increase just by $10 because it's, it's, Whoa. you know, it's not a huge amount of money for me but it might mean a lot to them, you know, significant, you know, uh, whether it's actually monetarily or maybe just symbolically, like it might mean a lot to see that someone went above right. and beyond their tipping. So I've been doing that ever since. So I was like, if I, if I was going to leave an $8 tip, I leave it at $18 tip, you know, things like that. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the reactions that I've gotten from servers that, that see that, that have, you know, see how much I'm tipping has been extraordinary. It's like, they, they are so freaking happy and or they're so like, like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like they really like are, are grateful for, and it just, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so silly to me. It's like, we're talking about $10, but I can't even imagine like the, the tipping that they get throughout the entire day and like how right. people don't do that or don't even do 18 to mm-hmm. 20%. Um, and it just, again, it just makes them feel good. It makes you feel good that you're giving more things like that so if you're out there and you're looking for really good things to do for people or maybe a good resolution to do for people things like that do those things like try just increase like put a set you know what doesn't doesn't matter five dollars ten dollars whatever it is but tip more and see what happens because i think it'd just be awesome but um those are really the big notes but ben i just wanted to your thoughts on on theme parks in general attractions all that fun stuff and then you know obviously tipping and stuff like that
1: yeah like well no good points i i think that, uh... Well, first of all, you know I, I'm gonna wait. We're gonna wait a couple of years to bring Dico to the Disney World. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. I really did want to wait for Star Wars to bulk itself up, and I didn't want to go like to be like the first one where you're waiting like six hours to get even get into the section or right, something like that. Right,
0: right, right. Um, mm-hmm.
1: But it seemed like it was definitely more open when you guys went this time. Um, so I'm ready to rock. So maybe in a couple of years we'll make that venture. But also um, the tipping thing and just being like the best customer. But even just being the best customer, like when you check out at Walmart or something like that, is. And I don't know what drives me because I've worked retail. I've worked customer service. I've worked at bars. I've worked, you know, I work in human services now. It's like I never want to be like the jerk customer. And uh, maybe that's, I don't know, there's a couple things at play. So, like, up here in central New York, it's very small. It's people remember you. You know what I mean? You go to a restaurant twice. They're like, oh, you guys were in here a couple weeks ago. It's like they really recognize you up here because there's not a lot of people up here. And so I always feel like I do tip a little more. Maybe that's a Connecticut part of me or something like, cause stuff just costs more in Connecticut. So I'm like, is the tip really just going to be like $3? It doesn't make any sense. So let me just throw them a couple five or 10 or something. So I always do that too, Chris. And people remember that. And it's not like a form of bribery or anything, but it's just like that one, they know that, that you care about their service. And then two, mm-hmm. they just kind of, they want to be the best they can be around you and stuff. And it just kind of gives you that sense of community, especially up here where, you know, they remember you, you, you like that feeling. They like that feeling. So it's all about that. Chris, I totally agree with that. Um, and like, I teach like social anxiety class, uh, at my place. And I always talk about, you know, the grass, the greatest practice you can do is working with like waiters, waitresses and checkout people. Cause yes, they're forced to interact with you, of course, right? <laughs> so they're mm-hmm, supposed to be nice. Mm-hmm. But it's a great practice for when you're meeting someone for the first time to introduce yourself to them and say, Hey, you know, how you doing today? How's the shift going? Is today your Friday? You know, it's always a good line. Like if you're at like a, a box store or a chain store or something like that, they're like, No, today's my Monday. I was like, Oh, that's sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always good <laughs> to just joke around. And you know, it's they remember you, and it's a very important thing. Because that's a big part of a sense of community as well is how – because not only are are you trying to make a connection with them, but the people around you are watching that too. Your friends, the people you're trying to date, whatever it is, they're – oh, this guy gets along with waitresses, so he must be cool. So I don't know, Chris. I, I think that goes a long way. And then, of course, you've got the little guy watching you at all times too. So that's always a good role model to show.
0: Well, let me ask you something, Ben. Do you yeah. – um, when you do that, when you're encountering like people um, and, and asking them how their week is going, do you ask them like – do you say to them, oh, it looks like someone has a case on the Mondays? Like, say no. Ah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Kick someone's ass for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. What's your number yeah. three this week?
1: All right. Uh, very serious topic to end up the show. You ready
0: for this? Okay. All right. I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: The state of the Red Sox. Oh,
0: Jesus. Oh, yeah.
1: So, here we are. I think last time we were on, I was like, man, Red Sox, are kicking ass. And, of course, I jinxed us on the air. Awesome. You know, we're so far removed from, like, the 86 years. Like, we just think nothing can harm us. And, my God. I'll take it. I'll take it on my shoulders. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the world. (laughs) It might have been me. Yankees are on a 10-game winning streak. Ugh. Fucking Red Sox are asleep at the wheel, except hey, yesterday. Yep, Travis I Shaw, I was mowing the lawn. And now, all right, listen, this isn't the greatest win of all time because we blew this win. We should have won <laughs> this game in the ninth. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. it was three to one. And we just so blew this thing. We just had so many chances to win this game and we blew it. But my boy Travis Shaw is back on the team. This must be, you know, I don't know if this is Alex Cora doing this and bringing the boys back together or something, but I love Travis Shaw. He seems like a darling in the clubhouse. He seems like he's just, you know, rallies the troops kind of guy. He was batting like around 200 for, you know, the the year in, in Milwaukee. Probably going to get dropped to double A. They probably got him for like, I don't know, a used puck bag or something like that. And they get this guy back on the Red Sox. He wins a, he hits a game winning Grand Slam in the eleventh. It was so awesome. I listened to while I was wa- mowing the lawn. I was, I, I let go of the lawnmower. I had my hands jumping up and down. My neighbors were looking at me like a maniac. Uh, yeah. So, Chris, we're a couple games back in the wild card. It is yeah. August twenty fourth. What are your thoughts on the rest of the season? What are your What are your hopes, dreams? What are your thoughts? What do you got?
0: You know. <sighs> It's it's one of those things, and I, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast the other day, and he kind of made a point that I've mm-hmm. been thinking about for a while, was that, like, maybe this team has been overachieving for the entire season and weren't as good as we were led to believe, and now the wheels are just, the wheels are going to come off, and now, you know, they're coming off. And that kind of made sense, and that's kind of why I thought, like, they didn't do a lot of the trade deadline, like, they didn't go, really make a hard play for Anthony Rizzo, which... Really would have been nice to get him. um So I've been thinking about that. Like, okay, maybe like this wasn't the year. So like next year is the year that they kind of really start going all in again because we're kind of in the midst of this rebuild. But I really like this team, and I love. Me too. It it has. It it kind of reminds me of that um, 2011 team that like that like just had this like just this nice kind of I don't know like. Underdoggy type, like the Johnny Gomes, like Shane Victorino, like those guys. Are right, like, you just, you, you, they were easy to root for, and so like I really like this club. It's just that yeah, they're just missing, you know, some components like the bullpen's no good, pitching's been an issue, like all that stuff. But like, um, yeah, and but the thing I hate, the thing I hate the most is. Is the fact that the Yankees are? Doing oh, you're
1: you're well. gonna I'm say you're gonna say you're gonna say what I'm gonna say. Go ahead. Yeah, the Yankees so, are doing well. Yeah, and what? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe
0: it's maybe it's because like, you know, you and I as Red Sox fans, being the age that we are, we we've had it we've had it very good. I mean, we've got four rings yes. in our lifetime, four in the for this century, as opposed to the Yankees who have had one and haven't won one in twelve years. Um, like we've had it pretty good. So like I'm used to like. Like, the, 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 the mission of trying to win one is is there, but the mission to see Yankee fans and Yankees suffer is, is kind of higher on my list right now. Because it's like, yeah, what did you get four rings? It's like, all right, but I, I I'd still want to see them in misery. So the fact that they're kind of riding this wave and people are calling the Yankees now this, like, underdog, like, you know, not likable team. I'm like, what are you guys yeah. talking about? Like, this is a Yankees <laughs> like, like, screw those guys. And so, and screw their fans. But, like, you know. Yeah. Ugh, oh yeah, God.
1: well, that's what I thought you were going to go with this. No, and, uh, yeah, calling the Yankees an underdog is like calling Bobby Axelrod an underdog. It's ridiculous. Right. Like, all these guys <laughs> right. are billionaires. It doesn't make right. any sense. Like, oh, he really showed us that time. It's like, yeah, it's fucking Bobby Axelrod. He's always going to pull it up. But, listen, <laughs> this is the worst part. So, up here, I understand I'm behind enemy lines. I got my Red Sox gear on every day. I don't care what place... Socks are. I don't care if it's the middle of January. I got a Red Sox hat on. I don't give a shit, right? I'm just a Sox yeah. fan. But all of a sudden, they're two games up on us on the wild card or something like that. Every a hole that I've never seen don a-, a Yankees hat is up in my face. They're no, wearing no. Yankees shirts. I've never seen them wear Yankees any. All of a sudden, Yankees stuff is all over the place. And every single one of them, and this is professionally and personally, they're like, Hey, did you see the Yankees are in first place now? And I go, correction, sir. They're not in first place. Tampa Bay is in first place, you dummy. And they're still going to win another World Series. We're still shit. It's called the wild card. Why don't you watch a game and figure out how the standings go? Oh, my God, Chris, that is the most infuriating thing ever. You have no idea. The last, week, last week, I had literally four people talk about how the Yankees are in first place now. And I said oh. that line to them. I go, no, dummy. The Yankees are not in first place. And they're like, oh, uh-huh. yeah, they are. See, I Googled it, and they're above the Red Sox. I go, you Googled, are the Yankees ahead of the Red Sox? Google, are the Yankees in first place in the AL East? And they're like, right. well, you know what I meant. I go, no, 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 I, no. I knew exactly what you meant. You meant that you're wrong. You're wrong, sir. How about half your team was batting below the Mendoza line for half the season? like, And now, oh, Aaron Judge is in the box. I'm out. But, oh, here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Yeah, he's been batting, like, 198 all season. It's like, guys, he should be catching, like, tight end passes like Gronk on the Patriots. He shouldn't be batting in that box. Ah, Chris, (laughs) nothing makes me more angry than people, these Fairweather fans. Fairweather fans, there's a lot of people up here that have been Yankees fans through and through, right? Sure. And we get into it every time I see them. You Yankee douche. You know, screw you. You Red Sox a-hole. It's great. But and and we're just gonna. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. They got Yankees tattoos, so be it. Then there's these guys that just roll up on me after the Yankees win a couple. Oh, you see the Yankees are in first place. It's like there's 162 games to go, guys. Let's just should, calm you down. You should just
0: tell them next time someone gets in your face about this. Say okay, just name this, Name five players. Name your f- first five players in the lineup, please. Uh, like right. I want to test your right. knowledge of this team that you're so passionate about. Um, things like yes. that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And here's the thing, but Yankee fans, I need you to understand something. You guys, along with the Dodgers, with the payroll that you pay these players and the people that you bring in, you should be first place every single year. And the fact that you're not is, is an indictment on you. Okay. The fact that other teams can build, you know, uh, world series, you know, teams without, you know, spending the money that the Yankees and Dodgers do and even the Red Sox do, um, is, is a testament to that. So screw Yankee fans. uh, You're not going to win the world series this year. So I'm not even worried about that. Um, I am hoping I'm fingers crossed for like a late August, September surge from the Red Sox that will, Mm -hmm. you know, bump out the Yankees. And I think they have at least one more at the very least one more series together. Um,
1: I I think so, but we got a great, Chris, I mean, we're they do have a great strength of schedule. So I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. We're playing Minnesota for the next three games. So I'm very hopeful that we'll turn it around. And I just I I, I just hate those Fairweather fans. And like same Fairweather fans that popped out of the woodwork when they won. You know what I mean? Like, oh the Yankees. Bleh. It's like if you're a true fan, you watch when they win or lose. You just you're up watching the game. Like I don't care. What place the socks are in, I got them in my earphones when I'm going to sleep and when I'm mowing the lawn and I got them in my man cave on the TV. And that's how a fan acts. People that are just like, oh, you see this team that just won two days ago? I'm going to go get a hat. It's like, no, (laughs) that doesn't count. That's just not that's just the phone it in fan that's just like yep. hey look at me i like sports it's like do you know what a double play is or <laughs> i don't know dude. <laughs> sorry i had oh, to rant man. a little it just drives me nuts chris it just, um, the shit just drives me nuts
0: i guess you man but well, you know what
1: like chris i know you're talking about bill simmons i think i kind of heard his little rant the other day too but listen along with you i like these guys like yeah. i know we're in this quote rebuild but I don't want these any of these guys to go away. I I love them. I I think the lineup is great. Yes, pitching we can afford to get some pitchers. It, it was, it's a miracle where we are with the pitching. I didn't even know who was going to be pitching this year. You know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. crazy. But I think we need to work on that. But this lineup, I wouldn't get rid of any of these people. They're they're all awesome. They're all kind of like underdog darlings, like you said. Even like Vasquez, he pitches every day. He's hitting like a beast for a catcher. He's hitting great. I, I don't know who would I get. I mean, a couple of our producers, JD needs to produce a little more. I'm not gonna lie, but Devers, Bogey, I mean, everyone's hitting. So yeah. I don't know. We just won like 15 to one last week. So I don't know. It's just our pitching needs to kind of step up to the plate. So yeah, no, I, or the mound, the mound.
0: Well, it's funny. <laughs> I was also gonna talk about the Sox. So I'm glad we both share this mm. uh, this uh, you know topic but uh, let's get into YouTube and my friends let's let's skip ahead. what do you got Woo! What do you got YouTube in this week
1: All right so well Chris you know um, just really quick you know to tail off of baseball all YouTube is great for watching recaps MLB is kind of like loosened up they're kind of tight stranglehold on like showing mlb on youtube and you can watch full game recaps they're awesome so here here to mlb for like loosening that up so we can actually watch this you don't have to stay up till like two in the morning watching angels game so check those out but um i only have a couple this week and the one let's just talk about this so there is a user called more music shows chris okay that's the username And he has all of the behind the music on YouTube.
0: The VH1 story.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The VH1 show behind the music. And more importantly, not the artist behind the music, but the years behind the music. So 1975 behind the music, 1994 behind the music. And they just hit the best of that year. They talk about the artists really quick. Uh, I was sitting out. I mean, I had a rough day at work. I forget what day it was. And like, Katie was like, what are you doing in the bedroom? And I was like, I took a shower and I was like, just sitting there. I was like, I am in the zone watching the behind the music 1975, like stuff about like, I don't know, like Jim Croce. And shit. I was like, I was in my glory. I love behind the music. There's something about the guy's voice that does the voiceover quality show. It kind of brought upon all the music documentaries that we have now. It's still pretty much the standard uh, mm-hmm. for music doc you know the beginning of music documentaries like for real in that day so check out that thing i can't say enough so i'm actually recommending one thing but he has uh, chris did you look up his channel (laughs) i'm looking at it right
0: now incredible yeah Yeah,
1: incredible. incredible so uh please support this guy and maybe he'll like put more um stuff content up because there's so much stuff on here it's awesome yeah i'm looking right now and he has so many like there's like Brief history of music icons, Janice Joplin, uh, The yeah. Who, Keith Boone, Grateful Dead, Jimi Hendrix. Love it. And then the playlists, that's where you get like all the stuff. So, yeah, totally get into this guy. It's great.
0: Very cool, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, for mine, uh, I got two real quick. I've been watching, uh, it's technically a TikTok, but they're on YouTube, but like uh, people have been like tagging uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay. Um, in like their cooking like videos. So like, they're like, hey Gordon Ramsay, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about me cooking things like this? And it's hilarious. Like watching him react to people cooking either like their own recipes or recipes of his and his commentary is phenomenal. Like he's swearing up and down, like he's like, or like he's genuine with his praise. Like, oh my God, that's that looks amazing. Like things like that. Um, but yeah, if you get a chance, like look that up both on TikTok and YouTube, cause it's really funny. Um, on that end. And then the other thing for YouTube, I've been watching religiously, and I probably, since we've been doing this podcast for like two years, I've probably mentioned this before, but like, there's this great uh, channel out there called Defunct Land, um, and I, I not that the oh, guy yeah. needs
1: great.
0: any, like, promotion, because he already has a million subscribers, but like, he does these great deep dives into, like, failures uh, at theme parks, and also TV mm-hmm. shows and things like that, and I just watched uh, one on... A, a, a sandwich that Disney tried to push called the Handwich, which uh, is like an uh, ice cream <laughs> cone, but like it's, it's the weirdest looking thing. And I completely forgot about this. And the second I saw the picture, I was like, holy shit, I remember that. And um, I know I talked about theme parks earlier, but yeah, if you love just theme parks and just like, the, the, like whatever happened to X, he, he, te- he actually will usually get to it. And he covers it thoroughly. like each video is like over 20 minutes long so you really do get some cool. I saved great-
1: it. I yeah. saved it. I can't wait to see this thing. This looks terrible.
0: Oh, it's just... It's awesome. So, yeah, scroll down. <laughs> We've got some great stuff on there. Um, another one of my favorites that he does is all about the failed Disney parks like Westcott and Disney's America and stuff like that. Like Just awesome, awesome stuff, so check that out uh, real quick. But the other thing, Ben, to, to kind of end on a sad note, if you yeah. will, not to, oh. not to end it too sad, but I want to pay tribute literally we're doing this on august 24th uh we just found out literally the like you know hours ago that charlie watts the director the drummer for yeah. the rolling stones has passed away um at the age of 80 and it's just a sad sad day because you're talking about obviously one of the most popular you know rock bands of all time um that's that's really you know in a way like for the most part it has escaped tragedy r- believe it or not given some yeah. of the members of this band, like a lot of, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, they, right. they lived, a, they lived a long time, a lot of these guys. Um, so, uh, but Charlie Watts, you know, I, this is, I was thinking about this earlier, like, you know, when it comes to rock and roll drummers, you know, there's Keith Moons of the world where it's like, Oh my God, he just lost his mind on drums. Like, you, you know, there's just nothing, no way about it. And then there's guys like Charlie Watts who, who looked just so damn cool playing the drums and the guy was always like almost like a statue in a way like you didn't get that a lot of personality in his drumming but he just always looked so cool so collected like knew exactly what he was doing on the drums and was just an awesome drummer so yeah just wanted to pay quick tribute to charlie watts because he will definitely be missed
1: well don't you don't you want that in a drummer in a band like that you don't want everyone's competing after each other
0: no, you want no.
1: Keith and Mick to do their own kind of thing, and Ronnie Wood to kind of be able to jump around. But then you got this guy in the cut that's just sitting there being a steady Eddie. That's what you want. Yep. You want yep. that steady beat. You don't want the whole thing. It, it turns into like experimental jazz at that point. <laughs> it's
0: like it's like that movie Almost Famous, where Jason Lee is like, "I'm the lead singer, and you're the guitarist with mystique." Like it's like that's that's, that's the rule. Like, you have to have. <laughs> I'm the golden voice. god of rock. <laughs> oh i love it i love it well ben this was fun man i'm glad we did this um folks you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on our onstage blog podcast network at onstageblog.com also follow us on facebook uh join our facebook page desperately seeking entertainment um as well because we'll we'll have some good stuff on there but um as always my friend thank you so much
1: i say good day sir
0: all right folks we'll see you right here next week on desperately seeking entertainment